your hands up to heaven. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the blood. Right now, we open our hearts to receive from you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Flood this place with all that you are. Bring us the revelation and the understanding from the Word of God. The all-encompassing power of the blood. To set us free. In every single area of our life. We might enjoy the benefits of covenant with you. Through the revelation of the power of the blood. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Move on every heart and on every life. We thank you for utterance, doors of utterance open. To speak as we ought to speak this morning. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. That we might hear clearly what you're saying to us. In such a light that it pierces to our hearts. That from the hearing of that word we might understand. And through that understanding wisdom might come to us in a revelation. That application of it might take place every day. That we might receive and understand the full blessing of the word through the participation and doing of the word that we hear. Teach us, guide us, strengthen us to not just be hearers, but to be doers of your word. That in the doing of it, it becomes life to us. It becomes action to us. It becomes what we see ourselves as. Just as Jesus was the manifestation of the Word of God, He was the living Word of God. That we, His body and individual members, become that manifestation, that revelation of the living promises of God. Manifested in human life. So we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and your spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone who greets said, amen. amen. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. We want to welcome you. Welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. We're so glad that you're here. Praise the Lord. It's great to be with the body of Christ. It is our time. It is our day. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's our time. It's our day. It's our day to win. It's a day of victory for the body of Christ. Amen. We can't walk around with a mindset of defeat because of everything that's around us. We have the victory through Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God who always, somebody say always, always causes us to triumph. Always causes us to triumph. Glory to God. Always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ that we find our triumph. It's in Him that we live. In Him that we move. In Him that we have our very being. It's when we get outside of Him. It's when we don't know who we are. It's when all of a sudden we're thinking about how we got to fit in to this culture, the things of the world, that we begin to feel overburdened. It begins to feel like we're less than enough. But in Him, in Him, you realize he's more than enough. And if he's more than enough, then I have more than enough. Amen. Amen. So it's our day. It's the day. It's the dispensation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the dispensation of the Holy Spirit of God and the power of God in our lives, in the church, that we might reflect it out everywhere we go. And we have to have that thought process, that mindset, individually and corporately, that it's our day. We can't look around and say, look at the day around us. Look at how it's encroaching in. Because guess what? Darkness never overcomes light. It's when our mind causes us to put a bushel over the light that's within us that all of a sudden we feel like the world is swallowing us up. But darkness does not swallow up light. When light comes on the scene, darkness has to flee. 
So when the church comes on the scene, when a member of the body of Christ comes on, if all of a sudden you walk in and go, you know what, I can't be too much light here, so you put on a little bushel, now you can feel like this darkness that I've just walked into, who can find their way around? Just pull off the bushel. Just come in with the light of life, the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, the teachableness of God, the faithfulness of God. The self-control of God. Just come in with that on, and you'll bring light into the midst of darkness. But the enemy would like you to think that it's so dark out there. How are you ever going to survive? He wants you to convince you with the lie that the darkness is going to overwhelm you. You better be careful. But it's a lie, because you never turned on a light in darkness and had darkness overwhelm it. When you turn on the light, the darkness flees. So we are the church of the living God. Come on, we haven't come to a mountain made with hands. But we've come to the church of the living God. The place of the firstborn. Come on. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own free will. He wasn't forced. His arm wasn't twisted. Of his own free will, he brought us forth as a kind of first fruits of his creation. We are born again of the Spirit of God. We're no longer like the world. We're no longer under that sin nature. We no longer are the old man looking like the world, but we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. And it's our day. It's our time. We don't walk around with our heads low. He said, lift up your head. Look at the fields that are white under harvest. Lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. Glory to God. Praise God. Look at somebody next to you. Say, thanks be unto God who has given you the victory. Say, thanks be unto God who's given you the victory. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, through Jesus Christ, you have victory. Amen. You can be seated. Whew, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Once again, welcome. I believe God has some good things for us this morning. Amen. And so we just belly up to the table. We just get to belly up to the table. Forget about everything else that's going on. Just forget about everything else that's going on. He prepares a table before you. In the presence of your enemies. So listen, I got so many things going on. The devil's attacking. Well, just belly up to the table. Well, I can't belly up to the table. You, you don't understand. I can't lift my hands and worship God. The enemy's attacking me. I can't come to church. I'm busy. The enemy's attacking me. God says, belly up to the table. Even when the enemy's attacking you, belly up to the table. Because I've prepared a table before you. In the presence of your enemy. Not escape from your enemy. Let's prove to your enemy that he can't take you down. I'm bellying up to the table. I'm eating of the bread of life. And you can't stop it. You can cause a lot of things to go on around me. But I'm bellying up to the table. And when I belly up to the table, I say, pass the biscuits, please. Come on. It's just where our focus is. When we look at the table prepared for us in the presence of our enemies, we look at everything that God has provided for sustenance. Not what the enemy's doing around us, but we just actually can laugh. We can actually have joy. You're doing all that around me, but right now, I'm just partaking of what God has prepared for me to partake of. And in that partaking of that, I'm growing stronger. I'm growing wiser. I'm growing uh, in the knowledge of God. So when I get up from this table, enemy, you better be gone. Because if you're still around when I get up from this table, the battle's on. And that's what the table's for, for sustenance to strengthen you. So when you step away from that table in the presence of your enemy, you come out victorious. You've been fed. You've been sustained. You've been equipped. You're ready. Amen. Glory to God. Say, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Open your Bibles with me to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter. We're trying to get to the message this morning. 
Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verse, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. This is verse 2, excuse me. Uh, no, this is verse 1. I'm sorry. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind, by the renovation of your mind. And so we've been talking about mindsets that really come into our life. The, the Bible term about that is really strongholds. And you can have positive strongholds. You can have strongholds that really protect and guard what the kingdom of God has done for you and in your life. Or you can have strongholds that are protecting the old man and the old nature. The enemy wants to bring thoughts and strongholds that protect uh, the old nature that is within you to keep you from walking in the very blessing of God. And it's really how you think about it. It's how you think about it. So he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 22. Again, you can read some scripture around this, but he says uh, in, in Ephesians 4, 22, that you put off concerning the former conduct. You put off concerning, concerning the former conduct. The old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful us, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Somebody say the spirit of your mind. Spirit of mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So he says, how do you put off this old nature? He says, you got to do it in your mind. How do you put on the new nature? By renewing your mind or renewing, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. So part of that comes from the, the word of God, how powerful the word of God is. The word of God is alive. It's alive. It's not just words on a page. When you don't have revelation of that, you just read it. You're like, oh my God, I have to read my Bible today. But when you realize this word is alive, you grab it and you expect that like a sword, it's going to pierce that revelation is going to come from the Word of God. And it's going to penetrate. And it's going to penetrate past my soul into my spirit. It's going to start to renew the spirit of my mind. In other words, I'm not just going to memorize it and it's going to affect my intellect. It will. But it'll go past your intellect to renew your subconscious mind. Because you've ever been around and, and, and you've been renewing, you've been reading, you've been, you've been memorizing... And then out of the blue, you have some dream. And you're like, my God, where'd that come from? Or you're just sitting, you're just driving in the car. And you have some negative thought about something or someone. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? There's things down in what we call the subconscious mind that pop up. And we felt helpless concerning the subconscious. That's a, you know, that's psychological. I don't understand that, but God does. And he says, my word is so powerful that when you put it in, not just to, for the moment to memorize or the moment, but it's so powerful that it'll start to work into your subconscious and it will change the view of yourself and life. It will change your mindset. The Word of God has power to do that. We sit, you know, we, 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 we try to get that change by sitting in a room and have somebody talk to us about our mind, where things come from in our subconscious. But the Word of God is so powerful that when we give place to it and we give place to the real counselor, the Holy Spirit, and get to know Him, He takes this Word and begins to move into our subconscious thinking that our dreams and our visions begin to not be nightmares about what could happen to create worry and stress, but they begin to be about God and what He's doing and what He wants to do. And it's the language of the Holy Spirit. Paul Young E. Cho said, the language of the Holy Spirit are dreams and visions. But we envision so many things of the negative. You ever battled that? I'm just trying to get out there, yet I keep having these, these things that make me worry, that stress me out. But God would say, where did you get that from? 
Who told you you were going to fail at this? Who told you you were going to end up in that spot? Where's that all coming from? God didn't tell you that. It's the enemy. Who brings a charge against you? You're God's elect. Devil doesn't have a right to bring a charge against you. Jesus justified you. Who's your accuser? He accuses day and night. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That action of the word of God. Amen. So, you know, uh, even thinking about this, this is just a commercial message. But, you know, thinking about this, just, just in, in processing, preaching right here. You know, that, that uh, small group to go over, uh, uh, to renew the, the, the message. What is it called? Sermon review. So important. So important. Why? Because there's a planting and there's a watering process that takes place before any harvest. And we forgot about the watering process. The watering process. We receive seed from, on Sunday, and then we go off and, and we get something else and something else, and we're looking somewhere else, and we're not watering the seed that God planted in our hearts. Now, again, I know the question can come in your mind, but if God called you here, God gave me a message, it's something that's set. He wants the, the, the sower to sow the word, and it comes down. Well, if we just take it and then we run off, so many things of harvest haven't happened. And then we say, well, it's not my fault. I mean, pastor said it, but it's not happening in my life. Did you ever water it? Did you ever water it? Because he tells us what happens when you don't water it. The enemy comes and steals it. Or you're like, wow, awesome message. But by Wednesday, just the, 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 the heat of life, there's no water. What? It dries up. It burns up. Or you get excited about it, but all of a sudden, you know, I got my job. I'm busy. I got stuff going on, and it chokes it out. He said, but anybody who receives the word, and, the, and it begins to take root, it's watered, it's cared for, it's cultivated, will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Any word from God has the potential to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Right, But if we begin to think, you know, well, I don't know, that, that really wasn't for me. No, any word of God. It's alive. It's powerful. Boy, I wish I had a word from God. God's talking to us all the time. All the time. He wants to bring victory into our life. And so, you know, renewing, meditating on a word, getting that watering process. We've wondered, why isn't this happening in my life? Well, we get the mindset of the world. We start to think like the world. Why isn't it happening for me? Sometimes the mindset of the world, we just like Christians, we just think we're entitled. I came to church, it should be happening for me. Somebody should do something for me. Well, somebody already did something for us. Jesus. We start working, but it's so easy to think, oh, woe is me. You know, in, in prayer this week, um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about marriage here in just a minute. Just trying to follow the Holy Ghost. You know, we were in prayer this week, and uh, it was a place, I mean, intercessory prayer looks different, I guess, to different people, but I believe we got there. Uh, didn't mean to get there. We were just praying about the kingdom of God. Began to see people just sitting Indian style, holding their hands on their head, rocking back and forth in, dark, in the dark. Oh, God, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. But Jesus said, when it gets hard, come unto me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. But see, the world's saying, oh my God, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. Even Christians will say, this Christian life is so hard. Well, you really think a God who loves you made a life that would be so hard? He called it the abundant life, the overflow of life, that he would make it so hard that you'd be crushed under the pressure of it? No. We began to develop a mindset of the world. You know, just in observing, uh, came up one day, just uh, was talking after service to, to a business person. Heard it a, a number of different times. You know, man, since COVID, you just can't get anybody to help you. It's so hard to find workers. You just can't get anybody to do it. Just on the inside of me. You know, I'm a pastor, so things on the inside, gift on the inside. Just, just felt like, 
wait a minute, wait a minute, we're faith people. Why are we agreeing with the world how hard it is to find people? How hard it is to find people. So he said, you just tell them. You just tell them if they keep saying it's hard to find people, it'll always be hard to find people. But he said, just tell them. Tell them a principle that I taught you years ago. It was a principle on really how we paid the building off. Brother Hagin taught us this principle, authority of the believer. He said, you go ahead and tell them to command the devil to take his hands off of the workers that God has prepared for you. You have authority. Tell the devil to take his hands off of workers that God's prepared for you. And then you command angels to go out and bring the workers in. And then you thank him that workers are coming in. They went, hmm, okay. Alan's been telling us over and over. You can say what you have, and you'll continue to have what you say. Or you can say what God said about you and have what you say. So the world comes in and says, oh my God, it's hard to find workers. And we agree with the world. It's so subtle. You say, well, I'm not agreeing with the world. I've, I've interviewed a number of people. See, we think that's fact. But God's got people out there for you. You're a child of God. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. God's got somebody for you. He's got something for you. So we get, uh, very subtly, we get down into this fixed mindset. Well, I guess this is just the way it is. Guess this is just the way it is. And it's hard. Why is it so hard? But God said it's not supposed to be hard. He said, I've given you principles that applied in the midst of struggle will give you victory over all the power. Somebody say all the power. All the power of the enemy so that nothing shall by any means hurt you. But it starts with how we think about it. See, we can think, man, this is overcoming, but I guess I better confess the word 52 times. But that's not a mindset. That's a wing and a prayer. And then we say, well, I confessed that 52 times for three days and it didn't work. No, he didn't say that. He said, get it down on the inside of your heart. Because it went on the inside of your heart. It's what you'll say every day with conviction. And when there's faith and conviction behind what you say, things will change. We'll say, that's just the point. I feel like, Pastor, you told me on Sunday to say it, so I'm saying it. Well, keep saying it till it drops down in your spirit as a true believing. And when it drops down on your spirit as a true believing, and then it comes out of your mouth, it's going to contain power. And when you have that drop down on the inside of you, that way of thinking that's developed from the Word of God, without that doubt, without that subconscious, well, I'm a hoping and a praying, but no, I know that God, if you said it, you'll do it. If you promised it, you will perform it. I know it. When that comes out of your mouth, and you end it in the name of Jesus. Angels go to work to make it happen. And so what the enemy's done is he's caused experience in, throughout our life or other people's experience when we prayed and it didn't happen. And so maybe it's not right. And, and he creates this general doubt in our heart. And the enemy starts working on that. His whole goal, his whole uh, 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 aim in life is to get you to doubt God. But let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. And so we understand this. So when Todd White was here, I haven't yet uh, watched it. But some of uh, people around here took, took that and watched it. And they came back with the same thing. And so <clears throat> I want to compare it. You know, the enemy, he's just a counterfeit. But in this, this movie... Uh, that there is, and so I'm going to be very careful because I haven't watched it, but this one statement uh, asking this person who has a, a devil, how, do, how did you overtake, how did you overtake this person's life? And he said, a series of yeses. Is that correct? A series of yeses. 
So we end up down the road going, how in the enemy does, how in the world does this all end in destruction? Well, it didn't just end in destruction. It started with us with a series of small yeses to the enemy, which changed our thinking about things. So he just robbed that. He robbed that. Because the word of God says this, every promise of God has its what? Has its what? Has its what? Has its yes and amen in Christ. And so the enemy knew that you could be victorious in every area of life with a series of yes for me and amen in Christ. But he says, if that has, if the yes has the power to bring forth every promise of God, if your series of yeses to God, yes for me, I'll take every promise and say yes in Christ. If that can transform my life, then the enemy knows if I could get you to say yes to me, I could do what? If your yes and amen causes the promises of God to override your life, then a series of yeses to the enemy will cause him to override God's plan in your life. So this idea of mindsets is not something to walk out and just go, good message. Because the enemy's just seeking to come and say, did God really say that? Well, I don't know. No, he didn't. Go ahead and look at the tree. Okay, yes. Doesn't it look good for food? Yes. Doesn't it look good to eat? Yes. Doesn't it look good to make you wise? Yes. Why don't you eat it? Yes. Everything changed. Everything changed. But until everything changed, hmm, they didn't realize where they were going until all of a sudden they realized, I'm naked. But while they're looking at the tree, while they're saying, yes, it looks good for food. Yes, it looks good to make one wise. Yes, it does. As they're drawing nearer to eating and disobeying, they're not paying any attention. They're just saying, yes, yes, yes. But the moment they partake, now change. How did we get to this series of yeses? But the victory, see, we get lost in like, I said yes. With God, nothing changed. So maybe it's not worth it. But we say yes to the enemy a number of times before change happens. But see, it's negative, so we're like, nothing, nothing, until boom, why am I here? But God, we're so like, it should change immediately. But he says, if you put a series of yes and amen together, your life will be totally transformed. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. So God's so good. God's so good. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? We have to be careful what we're thinking about. What comes out of our mouth? We're faith people. How many of you are faith people? Believe God. It declares that what's in your heart and in your mouth, what's in your heart that comes out of your mouth, has power. Has power. So if you say and believe it is so, life is so hard, it's just going to get harder. Why? Because I believe it's hard, and I say it's hard, so I actually set in. It's like a resin that makes it harder. It's difficult. So we'll segue for just a minute. So often we look at this and our marriage, marriage is so hard. 
But God didn't put you <coughs> with a partner for life to make it hard. He actually put you with a partner in life to make life easier. Two are better than one. Where one would put a thousand to flight, two would put ten thousand to flight. When you put two draft horses together to pull, you'd think, just in your natural mind, if this draft horse could pull a ton, we'll put two and it could pull two tons. But I believe, I, I wasn't prepared for this message, sorry. This is a different message. <laughs> so I'll have to go look up the story, look up the writing. But I believe it's actually seven times. When you put another draft horse and yoke them together, does anybody know if that's true? All right, if you don't know that it's true, then it's true. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's something like five to seven times. It's not just double, it's five to seven times. So when God yokes you to that spouse, he wasn't thinking, this is going to be hard. But listen, if you put one horse and yoke them to another and they fight against each other, you have no strength to pull. In fact, you won't even pull as much as the first horse could pull because you're working against one another. But when you work for one another, it becomes like... 16 times. Well, I'd rather be undershooting than the one exaggerated. <laughs> 16 times. 16 times. So we think, well, if I just get joined to this person, we could double something. But see, God's always into multiplication. So, you know, if we're not careful, we get a mindset of marriage, it's too hard. But really, when we get the mindset, if we can pull together. God's ordained for this to be 16 times stronger and better than I could be by myself. Now listen, this marriage mindset, as we said last week, applies all the way across the board. Because we are the bride of Christ. So just think for a moment in God's thinking. In God's thinking. Because he's God. If we join together, we saw this, you know, the number one purpose of marriage is to replicate uh, uh, God, the image of God in the earth, the triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So he puts a man and a woman together. Well, you're at a certain strength, but when God is the center of that, you have a Christ-like man, a, a Holy Spirit-type woman, God in the center. Now you have a, a trinity and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Right? And so he said, there's great power. So if he said, if I could hook a Christ-like man and a Holy Spirit-type woman, and they could be 16 times stronger like two draft horses. Now listen, if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, I mean, you could look at it and say, well, we're no draft horses. I'm just telling you. We might be Shetland ponies. But see, we look at that. We look at size. But if you have a Christ-like man, Holy Spirit, like woman, God at the center of that, then you're even far greater. You have much more power residing on the inside of you than two draft horses. So if adding a draft horse would make you 16 times stronger or more able to pull a load or pull 16 times more, and you don't even have God in the middle of that, then how much more Two people filled with the Holy Spirit. So how much more for the church where an individual is joined to God? But look at that. If you added 16 times every time two of us would gather together. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Look at that song, man. Look at all the faith that's in the room. All the faith in the room. What the Lord can do. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible in your marriage. Anything's possible. 
right? We want to get to the anything's possible way out there. But it starts right at home. Anything's possible. Because it's the very key. It's the very key to everything. All right, Malachi chapter 2. Come on, so many times we feel ministry. We're, we're working to get out. The, the home is left, and we go out to see a miracle. There's struggle at the home. And then we start to wonder why things aren't happening, yet God, in his infinite wisdom and his infinite seeing the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, understands the power of the union that he created. The power of the union that he created. You have to go back to next, last week's message. But this covenant union that he created and the purpose for this whole covenant union. As we brought last week, you know, Miles Monroe said, uh, if you want to know the purpose of the thing, the purpose of the thing is only in the mind of the creator of the thing. And in God's mind, he already knew why he created marriage and he put reasons why he created marriage. And so we talked about the purpose of marriage so that we could see and understand the purpose of marriage and how powerful it is. And we, we showed you that the, 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 the cultures that have fallen, there's, there's many, I mean, in the last two months, I've heard more people talk about studies of great empires that have fallen than ever in my whole, you know, 40 years of ministry. In the last month, I've heard more people talk about empires that have fallen, we're studying, and America is on the same trend. So we talked about one of those things in 1942, 1940s. A sociologist from Harvard labeled those, uh, he labeled seven things. And, and again, you can go back and listen to it, but seven things, and they all had to do with marriage and family, gender, all the things that we see right now that are trying to destroy the home, the understanding of a marriage between a man and a woman are taking place because the family is so important to God. It's the very foundation of the church, the community, and a nation. Listen, family comes together. Church comes together. There's so much that can be done. You break the family apart, you diminish all that power, and you can control it. So we're yelling and screaming, mad at government, but yet we're, we're not focusing on our own family and our own marriage. We start moving the wrong direction. To strong families, build it. So Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. He said, here's the second offense. You'll have to read Malachi to figure out the first one. Uh, you fill the place of worship with your whining and your sniveling because you don't get what you want from God. Do you know why? So again, we talk about this, and, and again, why isn't this happening? Why is this so hard? Why isn't this? And he says, you want to know why? Simple. Because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride. And now you've broken those vows, broken the faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife. God, not you, made marriage. Somebody say, God, not me, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. I love that. His spirit Somebody came up to me last week and said, Pastor Mark, if I would have known this 55 years ago, my marriage would have been better. Hmm. I mean, really, be honest with yourself. How many of you, when you got married, I'll raise my hand first. When we got married, we, we thought we were like praying, seeking God and all that, but I never had in my thought process that the Holy Spirit would inhabit even the smallest details. So with that unawareness, what started to break down right away was small details. Small details that she was concerned about that I wasn't. Small details that I was concerned about that she wasn't because we were different, but the Holy Spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. So chalk one up for the women. Details. The Holy Spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. 
And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Guard the spirit of marriage within you. In other words, from the very beginning, God put the spirit of marriage and covenant in you. The Bible says he put eternity in your heart. Eternity in your heart. So if we're going to bring forth this spirit of marriage, if we're going to bring forth this power of marriage, we're going to bring forth that, we have to change our mindset in thinking and in knowing, right? And guarding this spirit of marriage. So I know there's single people here, you're like, this doesn't really, it totally applies. The foundation of the home is so vitally important to each and every one of us. So Peter says this, you know, he he starts to explain marriage. He lines out some things about the wife. Then he gets to, to the husband and he tells the husband to honor his wife, giving honor to her as to the weaker vessel and an heir together of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So listen, we're connecting God's plan, old covenant to new. He said, listen, you're sitting in the temple and you're praying and you're crying out to me and you're wondering why are my prayers not being answered? And he says, I'll tell you why, because you've lost the understanding of the covenant of marriage amongst you. He's talking about the whole, he's talking about the nation. Right? It applies to us if you're married, but he said the whole nation has lost their concept of the power of covenant union and marriage. The spirit of marriage, they've lost it. In our nation, if we're not careful, we've lost the idea. We've let the world tell us it doesn't matter what your gender, how it works. God's idea of marriage is big. We as the church have to know the importance of that marriage and really begin to see it in our life and put together the principles of that so it begins to affect, one, our homes. And the power in our homes, the healing, the deliverance, the miracle-working power that husbands, dads, Start to have words of knowledge and words of wisdom concerning their home, their wife, their children. I'm sure some of you have had that. I mean, hopefully all of you. I've had words of knowledge about my children, about my wife. I've had words of knowledge from the Spirit of God about what's going on and what needs to be changed. The manifestations of the Spirit for the home. Go figure. But when it starts operating in our home, watch the church. Watch us work together. Watch the unity. But if we abandon the idea of marriage in the church, just the whole idea, the power of it, The home starts to break down. The church starts to break down. It becomes too hard. We become offended. And we look like the world. We just gather together and sing songs about the Lord. So I'll just give you the first mindset. We have 10. We'll get to it. I think there's something that we said this morning. It's impacted at least a couple lives. I knew it was the Spirit of God. Fought with him before service. Like, I need to get through this marriage thing because I'm not sure everybody likes the marriage thing, but could you let me just get through the marriage thing? He said, no, I want you to talk about this first. And I'll let you go to the marriage thing because I put it in your heart, but I want you to talk about this today first. So, praise the Lord. This number one mindset, I believe it'll help us. And it, you know, if you've been in the business world, you've heard this, but it's very important. Mindset of marriage, you have to see problems as opportunities. Oh, yeah. Too often we're like problems. The world has 
programmed us into thinking that if we have a problem in our marriage and we love each other and God put this together, we shouldn't have problems. But Paul said, this is a great mystery how two people who are different genders, different upbringing, different giftings, different personalities fit together as one. It's a great mystery how that works. And he says, I'm not even really speaking about that. I'm speaking about Christ in the church. But if you could figure it out, man and woman, a revelation of Christ in the church and your unity would come and the power of the spirit of marriage would explode. Covenant. So if we start going, this problem is an opportunity for me to find out her strengths and my weaknesses. This problem is an opportunity to find my strengths and her weaknesses. Instead of insist that my strengths should take over this and we fail, get out of the way, just listen to me, just submit. How are we going to work together? How am I going to let your strength come to bear? And how is she going to let my strength come to bear? There are things that I know, they're my strength. We've, we've dealt with this at different times, they're my strength. I just know they are. But there are some things that are her strength, and we've rubbed against each other, and there's places right in the middle. I'm good at this. She's good at this. We rub. But there's things that, you know, I'm trying to be good at, but she's just better. You know, and it's probably 70-30. She's better at 70% of the things. I'm better at 30%. But when I do know that I'm better at it and I'm right, I'm pushing. Sometimes she doesn't like it, but I'm pushing. But if I'm not, she's better. I don't have a problem. I'm working on saying, all right, you do that. And not just saying you do it, I'm not going to do it. How, do we, how does it fit together for strength? The more we learn that, the more we learn that we actually can fit together. We don't have to work against each other. Every problem if we work to the solution, we figured out how the input and the strength and the gifting of one fits with the other to have that work. But we tend to take our strengths and expose the other person's weakness. Now, this is a real problem because this is what it causes, a strife. And the enemy starts to know exactly where to create problems because he can blow up a marriage. He can make us unhappy. He can make us angry. He can cause strife in our marriage. And where strife and selfishness exist, there's confusion and every, somebody say every, and every evil work. So we wonder, we have strife in the home. We're being selfish in the home. And we wonder, why is, the, why is not, things not going right? Well, confusion and every evil work is let into the home but if we looked at a problem and said, this is an opportunity for us to show what a covenant of strength, what a power union can do to overcome the strategy that the enemy had to bust us apart. We have the goods, me, her, and God, to overcome this problem. And it's an opportunity for us not only to resolve it and to overcome it, but to show forth God's manifested intention. Me with her, with God, are more powerful than the problems that come our way in the strategy of the enemy. Stand up with me. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We do magnify you. We glorify you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for utterance today. Thank you for ears to hear today. Now, Holy Spirit, that which you've spoken to every heart and every life, Go with each one, reminding them that they might water the seed that's been planted, that the enemy would not be able to steal it <clears throat> from them.
that we as a people become victory-minded. We recognize our covenant with the union with you, our covenant union in marriage, our covenant union with one another in the body of Christ. Help us to understand the victory that we have through your precious blood. As we receive your word today, we grow. We grow by feeding on that word. Hiding it deep in our heart, watering it, cultivating it. That the fruit of it would be victory over the strategy of the enemy to weigh us down, making life seem so hard that we don't know if we can go another day. But immediately, there's a breakthrough and a breaking off of the weights that have beset us. And as we come unto you, we begin to learn from you that yoke to you, your burden is light, your yoke is easy. And that through that ease of working with you, learning from you, we find rest from the hardship of life and find ourselves more productive, more fulfilled, more energetic than we have in the past three years. Right now, in the name of Jesus, that the anointing for renewal of strength, renewed vision, renewed vitality, renewed joy, and renewed strength. By the Holy Spirit, I pray over each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer for anything, altar workers will be up here uh, to pray with you. Praise the Lord. If you just need a word of encouragement, I believe they have words of encouragement. You can just come up and say, you know what, I received that prayer, but uh, give me a word of encouragement. I believe they'll do that. Amen. Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.